Laura Zach. And I'm Brittany Ashley. And this is Sicker Sadder World. A podcast where we rewatch episodes of Daria and relate it to our current world. No, we're recording. <laughs> wow, I mean, we're coming off the tail end of quite a day. Quidditch match. Sure. Quite a Quidditch match. You know, I'm really going to have to watch these movies to uh, understand what's going on. I do like how the one part of the Forbidden Journey ride that you liked was the sports game. Well, yeah, I enjoyed that. But listen, I can't stress enough. If anyone's been on the Harry Potter ride, the Forbidden Journey is what it's called. Yes. At uh, Universal Studios, Harry Potter World. So you get into this little tiny um, contraption that then takes you on this uh, journey and the first thing that you see is this like neon green portal and it kind of reminds you of something that you do to like get through like space and time and then you're in Hogwarts and then at the very end you go back through that same portal but it's like if we're already in Hogwarts like, why did we go through a portal? I guess I didn't really understand the portal part. I and have like, some I theories. can't stop thinking about I it. I have some theories. Well, and first of all, before I get into them, I just want to say it's interesting that you're focusing on the one thing that gives you pause or creates a question mark in your mind rather than the fact that you were flying through the sky on a freaking broomstick. Was I in a broomstick? You sure were. That's how you were flying. Well, see, I was so checked out that i didn't even know what i was on okay i have three theories about what that portal could have been okay one in the books there's something i believe it's called a port key or some sort of key where it's like you hold a physical object and it's what allows the characters to rapidly travel through time and space from one place to another place and i can't remember exactly where the first place we land is when you go through the portal. The ride started inside of Hogwarts, and I feel like it starts out on the broomstick. So it could have been like a port key from inside the building to outside the building on the broom. Second theory is it could be a portal through time because the era of Harry Potter was not in the present now. It wasn't in 2018. It was like 12 years ago would have been when he started. So it could be a portal through time to go back in history or option three, it could be the theme park being self-aware and being like, we're just a theme park. You're about to motherfucking go to the real Hogwarts. You know what I'm saying? You've thought about this. Oh, I have. You fucking bitch. I have have three written down. You knew I was going to talk about it. Of course I did. (laughs) I was like, here we are in this magical land Brittany is going to find some way to be curmudgeonly about this and she's going to focus on the portal. I knew as soon as you made an Instagram story about it that it was showing up on the cast. <laughs> so, of course, I was going to do my... Wow. Also, it's not that hard when, like... I-, I mean, given that you haven't read them or watched the movies, like, I could have made up anything. You know what I mean? Like, I could have mm. been like, oh, that's just the portal from book four when... They go to the, you know, snapper do. You know, you could have done that, but I can always tell when someone's lying. Yeah, probably me, especially. I don't know if you could, actually. I'll test that sometimes. We'll do two lies and a truth, or two truths and a lie. Okay. Okay. That'll be fun for everyone. But we had a great time. It was a delightful 
trip. You, uh, if you follow any of us or our friends on social media, you definitely saw the same picture 12 times <laughs> in the last 24 hours. Um, also, we went on the Jurassic Park ride. I had a lot of favorite moments from the day, mm-hmm. but one of my favorite moments was when we were on the boat at Jurassic Park and doors opened up onto the like idyllic pre dinosaurs breaking out like peaceful scene like the act one yeah and the theme song the jurassic park theme song starts playing and like six people in the boat start singing doggy laura doggy laura it filled me with such joy uh, and also the dinosaurs you know the animatronic dinosaurs always remind me of my dogs anyway so I was curious if someone, you know how like the dinosaurs would like spit water out of their mouths. I was just waiting for one of us to be like laughing really hard and that water just goes straight into one of our mouths. That'd be intimate. That would be disgusting. Yeah. Cuz it's definitely just recycled from the from the like same water of the river. Yeah, I mean when they did that in the studio tour when they did that um, demonstration of what, like, a flood would look like. They said it was, what, like, 10,000 gallons of water? It's like, uh, hello, that's why we're in a drought. Yeah, so wasteful, Universal. It was pretty impressive, though, to see happen. Yeah, it was really cool. It was pretty fucking cool. Um, what were some other favorite moments of well, the day? Well, you know, the Jurassic Park ride was a little bit... Um, Wet. <laughs> yeah, but also for me, also that, because... The other night I had a dream that I was like full on dating Laura Dern. Hot. <laughs> and like, it w- I don't know, it was just so interesting because I was so aware that she was Laura Dern. But then she ended up leaving me, like we were on this date and it was like going a little bit well. There was like obviously a generational difference. But uh, then the car that we were in broke down and the mechanic came and the mechanic was John Hamm. But he wasn't like, he was like John Hamm playing a mechanic. He wasn't John Hamm as a mechanic. And uh, yeah, she was like so much more into him. And I was like, wow, even in my dreams. Like, but he was useless as a mechanic. It was weird. It was like, un- he was like underneath a semi truck in one of those, you know how in movies, but also probably in real life, how the roller thing. Yeah, yeah, like someone will like come scooting out on their back on a skateboard and they're like yeah we're gonna need to uh, check out that fuel line like it was one of those things where it was a full-on semi-truck driving and then he comes scooting out back and i was like god damn it john am you ruined it foiled again for laura but yeah ever since (laughs) ever since that dream i've had like a little bit of a like a like a tinge whenever like she posted something on instagram and i was just like i was just like oh my god (laughs) what Laura Dern. Well, Kirsten and I do have a plant called Laura Fern. Oh, I love that. I think it's dead. And it's also a I was succulent. Say, did you more like tenderly water it this morning? <laughs> it is weird how in dreams, like you can full on like produce like feelings that weren't there before. No, I, I once had a sex dream in college about my biology teacher who I had no attraction to in real life, but even having this sexy dream about him made me kind of like next class be be sitting there and be like, well, I mean, I don't not see it. If the price was right. I mean, he was, you know. Right. 
He and had it, a really nice manner about him. He was like very a very gentle lover in the dream. Sure. And it's almost like you carry that dream with you as if it's something that has happened. And so it's almost like he would be somewhat aware that you like had this like history with him in this other timeline. But also I've been in the receiving end of the negative side to that where like I had a roommate in college who would get mad at me for things I did to her in her dreams <laughs> and would like be actively angry for at least half a day. Hey, it's so. tough. My first girlfriend, the one who I cord pulled after we broke up, she said that for the next like three months, she had nightmares about me every night and that she had to get a dream catcher. And like, it didn't work obviously, but like she just had nightmares about me every single night that like we were still together and then she'd wake up and we weren't together. Um, speaking of nightmares, I wasn't into the Transformers ride, but I hear you were because you flirted a little bit with Optimus Prime. He, when he was like, you saved the planet, he was so looking at me. I mean, I think it was, he was generally casting his robot pupils across. No. The- and like also when he was about to like get killed by Megatron, it was so intimate. No, it was all for me and I honestly know it and I felt it and that gust of wind like wasn't the only like major gust I was feeling. So between Laura Dern and it was a very heavily charged But trip. between the two of them, Optimus Prime, Laura Dern. Um fuck. Yeah, I mean I think because Optimus Prime identifies as male. Do they though? Yeah, I guess yeah, you're right again. God damn it, you really I'm really on it tonight. Yeah, I hate are. to call it for what it is, but yeah. listen, if you want to tell us after the jump, is that what they say? <laughs> like, after after the jump, after a quick break, yeah, we'll find we're out. We're going to decide after the quick okay, break. Okay, how about I answer for you? Okay. You want a robot Laura Dern. Okay. A robo L Dern. <laughs> Optimus Dern, Optimus. I don't know. I don't got it. Laura Dernius, Laurius Dern. Dern. Okay. Uh, after this quick break. La 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 la. La 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 la. This is my style. Got to get up. Episode 5, The F Word. Feminism. Are they toying with us and is this an allusion to the L word? We both went in a different womanly direction. I wouldn't put it past the writers of Daria to be able to foretell the Showtime series, but yeah. I do feel gaslit fairly often by them. Um, <clears throat> I did like that this started out a very teacher-heavy episode. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. we're going to linger there. Yeah, I really love the teachers. The way that this show writes their adults is very funny. And the way that they write their teachers 
is incredibly funny because the teachers are all so different and they all have such clear motives and the way that they interact with each other is just always so very fun. And Mr. O'Neill is certainly one of my faves. Oh, yeah. He definitely feels like the lesbian on staff. Yeah. (laughs) And so they're in this uh, teaching convention and the speaker who it's clearly the voice of Tom. Oh, good call. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Listen, I get it. You had a budget where you needed that person to do an extra voice. I get it. I'm in the biz. Okay. Um, And so this... This speaker is talking about how failure actually will help you grow. I mean, obviously, when you succeed, you learn things. But when you fail, that's really when you learn what you can do differently, what you enjoy, what... what He calls it a signpost on the path to success. Failure is a signpost. Right. And also, it's not that big of a deal. And all the teachers are so fucking zoned out, except for Mr. O'Neill, who's just eating this up, and he is actually going to implement this into his uh, teaching lesson. And when we get towards the end of this like teaching convention trip, one thing that we learn is that Principal Lee skimmed the top off of the teacher's per diem, and also that Mr. O'Neill, before he goes to bed, reads a book called Affirmations for Nightmares. And I didn't understand why him and Miss Barch weren't in the same room until she knocked on the door in the middle of the night, and he was like, we need to be discreet. Which is weird to me because I thought that they weren't discreet at all. They've made out in public like many times and shown their affection for each other plenty of times in public, no? I don't know. When they're making out, I I think it's normally like they'll be on a school camping trip, but in a tent. Mm. So some would say it's their forbidden journey. (laughs) Oh, wow. I'm really into that callback. Um, yeah, and she wants to go into the broom closet or some yeah, sort of like, like the janitor's closet, closet and bone. And so they do because Miss Barch, little baby, always gets her way. Yeah, she's going to top that bottom. I mean, she's either a top or a very power bottom. I could see her, you know, like bossy bottoming him. No, I see a power top. I see her like literally fucking him. Yeah, like maybe like some bend over boyfriend stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is the name of a book. The Bend and purchase. Snap O'Neill. That's what we call it. Did you just make that up? I certainly did. <laughs> it's a mixture of Legally Blonde and also Mr. O'Neill. So then back in his class, he decides to start implementing failure as a tool and he assigns the class to uh, pursue something that the students know they'll fail at in order to experience how failure is not a big deal and a necessary part of making your way towards success. And the things that the students start choosing were a little bit surprising to me. Like, I thought that people were going to start picking stuff from scratch that they just, like, felt like they might not be good at. But right. instead, they were just choosing things they already like the know exact for opposite. sure. Yeah. Yeah, that they know for sure they're gonna, they already fail at. Yeah, I think that a much more worthwhile assignment would have been like or something that you have secretly always kind of wanted to do. And so if you fail, that's okay. But if you succeed, then that's win-win too. And that's probably what the speaker intended. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And so the way that he kind of internalized it was 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 to have the students like try to fail, which doesn't teach them anything. I think the only person who actually took it the correct way 
was perhaps Jody, who actually wanted to succeed at the thing, but ultimately, in a weird way, knew that like she was going to fail. But also, it had nothing to do with her ability whatsoever. It was kind of like this outside force of her parents. No, like she she knew that her parents were going to make her do this anyways. So there was actually no harm in trying. But but it would have been like an actual joyful success for her to not have to do all those things. Right. Her example was um, she, she always has to do like a million extracurriculars and volunteering over the summer. And she wanted to get her parents to let her just take the summer off. But other examples were like Brittany saying that she fails at not being popular. Um, Kevin saying that he fails at not being great at football. Uh Mac was going to teach Kevin the branches of government and uh, Daria was going to get Quinn grounded so that she can't go to the mall extravaganza, which I also believe that 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 kind of aligns in the same camp as Jody's because she actually wanted that to happen. Um, And then Jane's was being conventional. And I think this is another moment where we see what Jane actually kind of wants that she always couches in some sort of like outside force, like like an assignment or like an audition or something like that, where you see that Jane probably wants to be a little more conventional than she actually is by hanging out with Daria. And like, you see just how much that upsets Daria, that she could be friends with someone who wants to like be in that world just a little more, at least like test the waters of being in that world. Do you agree? Yeah, I mean, I also will we'll explain how it plays out, but I also felt like she could fully assimilate and be excellent at it. Mm-hmm. Excellent at being average. Yeah, she basically becomes basic Jane, which... Is funny because the term basic didn't exist yet in that context. It, like, so they just use conventional instead of basic. Or would it have made a little more sense for a plain Jane? Oh, you are an artist of the everyday, Brittany Ashley. <laughs> High so, on that and the bend them back O'Neill or whatever it was. The bend and snap O'Neill. Quinn is very excited for this mall extravaganza, which we never actually see what it is, but Daria's mission is we set. We can guess. Yeah, we I can mean, guess. Yeah. But Daria's mission is set on getting Quinn grounded so that she can't go. And so she's coming up with all these different reasons why the mall extravaganza is dangerous. And while she's coming up with this, that's when Jane comes out of the closet, literally, and is wearing this whole new outfit and like has her hair up in a high pony. And Daria's just like mortified that this is her best friend, her artist best friend that she has shared all the sarcastic wit with is now Brittany. I wondered too if when Tom saw that, if it was like a really pivotal unseen beat change happened internal to him. Well, I think that correct me if I'm I'm, I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong that when you look at Tom, he is very conventional. Whereas I feel like I feel like Tom was kind of like one of I mean track was obviously like the gateway into us seeing kind of like who else Jane could be if she wasn't Daria's best friend and didn't feel loyal to like being this person but also like i feel like tom in a way 
represents this conventionality conventionality that Jane in some ways I think desires. And I think that's not untrue of a lot of artists where they think like, like if I just dropped all this creativity that is always just drowning me and I just became kind of like quote unquote regular and didn't really care about this stuff, like how much more enjoyable would my life be? Right. How relaxing. Yeah. But it's interesting. This is the second time you've said that the reason she doesn't do it, do it is because of her friendship with Daria. But it feels like it's it's also true to who she actually is because she was mm. this way before she met Daria. I think that Daria is a major force in it. And I think that like, I think that the, I mean, we're skipping totally ahead, but uh, when she's in that cheerleading tryout, it, which also gave me like bring it on vibes of when Missy tries out, which is a whole other thing. But I feel like the first voice that she hears in her head is Daria making fun of her. And then I think the second voice that she hears in her head is like her trying to justify her it to Daria. Integrity. Kind of, but yeah. also her trying to like justify it to Daria. I think that she does have like, Jane does have like a really great grasp of who she is, but I feel like she feels guilt sometimes from Daria and that guides her a little more than like the average person or the average uh, cartoon character. <laughs> But I agree. I agree with you. But I think the way that they set up just how perturbed Daria is by it and how Daria and Jane, that's always such a conflict of like Jane moving at all away from like this, the comfort of their just tiny little bubble that always is like the main conflict in those episodes. This one, Daria didn't freak out that much. Like she knew. I mean, I think she would have freaked out if the cheerleading tryout had gone differently. Oh, totally. I feel like Daria almost didn't even even know that much about the cheerleading tryout yeah okay so let's let's get there i also loved that jane called tom hey flyboy best part of my life hey what does that even mean i don't know i couldn't tell if that was like jane being this new her character or if that's like how she'd act anyways but he but she answered the door and she was like hey flyboy oh like hey like boy you're fly yeah okay cool cool So Brittany and Kevin are ruining their lives, um, basically, by doing this experiment. They both respectively get kicked off of the cheerleading squad and the football team uh, because the cheer- the other cheerleaders are basically so freaked out by Brittany trying to like forcibly interject dialogue about Afghanistan. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, stop telling us these creepy stories. You're bumming us out and kick her off the team. Kevin purposefully messes up playing football, which again, I'm kind of over knowing about Kevin and his like, do I don't I with like his football destiny? Like, I let's move on from this thing. Yeah. What is this? This is us. Like, let's move on from this narrative of like, boy who doesn't know if he should play football or not. Like, it's clear that that this Kevin. Wait. Oh, they're both named Kevin. It's clear that this Kevin and Daria doesn't even like see a different feature for himself. For So for him to even toy with the fact that like football isn't for him just doesn't feel believable. So I was curious, what's something that you've failed at that has taught you something that you probably wouldn't have learned had you succeeded or been mediocre? I mean, not a lot. <laughs> Fuck <you. laughs> no, that's not true. Being um, modest? Home guy. Um, yeah, I've failed at being not butch. <laughs> <laughs> I 
No, but I actually I did I did try out for basketball when I was a sophomore in high school. And you know, everyone always told me like, Oh, you gotta go out for basketball, like you're tall. You know, that's all it takes. And uh didn't didn't make it. Not even like the they had like a level below JB. So that was a real humiliating uh tryout. Or the result of that was humiliating. Granted, I like went to high school with a lot of really intense overachieving students. So a lot of them had probably played basketball since they were like six, the ones who were in that tryout. But I think that, you know, failures that happen interpersonally in relationships are end up being really important. Like sometimes you fail at getting the thing you think you want. And then the loss of that or having to confront that failure and why it didn't work out ends up leading you to something that is better and you learn from it. And I've definitely experienced that romantically. Heartbreak is a is a real teacher. I Heart, mean, heartbreak is an O'Neill. <sighs> yeah. yeah. Snap back O'Neill. Bend and oh. snap. <laughs> He's not a hat. <laughs> How about you? Do you have do you have a failure you're ready to share with us? No, I mean I was just no, nope, literally <laughs> never. <laughs> just no, was I, hoping you'd be vulnerable and share no, something of your life. No, and- I I agree that I think I've I've certainly learned a lot from romantic relationships and friendships. I mean, when when I was younger, I really took everything as if it was the end of the world. And as I got older, I kind of just learned that when something really failed or really tanked or I really had like a bad breakup or I had like a, a fight with a friend, it, it would teach me more than than the more kind of like stable. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think that obviously you learn a lot from like stable friendships and stable relationships that you've had. But I think you really learn how you do not want to be or how, how you could better communicate things, or how, I don't know, I, th- I think you just learn a lot more from, like, the really painful moments, possibly a little more than the ones that you don't really think about quite often, and... Um, well, especially when you're an achiever archetype who is going to fixate more on the failures than the successes anyway. Or oh, like, is, that, is that me? I think that would probably be both of us. Yeah. Like, or, or not necessarily... <clears throat> fixate on the failures more than the successes but more so than how can i be better next time or just like fixate on the failures more than just like the average right. day or yeah. like the 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 grind of the getting there mm-hmm. and i and i think for a while i took a lot of breakups as if like it was all my fault or like I did something wrong. And so I'd always try and correct that. And I think perhaps as I got older, I realized that obviously something not working is like a two person situation, but you can also learn like, even if it wasn't through anything of your own volition, you can always learn something in a way. I don't know. I mean, I, I you can think of things as failures, but you can also just kind of think of things as like, this was the thing that was in this time period and this is what I learned from it and this is what I gained from it. I don't know. Right. I, I feel like sometimes we assume that something has to be permanent to be successful, whereas mm-hmm. things can just have their finite amount of time and influence that they're meant to have in your life. Yeah. And and that also affects kind of the way that you can um, internalize a breakup. And I think that, like, I don't know, sometimes I go back to like a breakup that I had, had went through like a couple years ago where 
it was just one of those things where like it was good it should have been done a long time before and you know I thought that it was very mutual and then this other person had such like hatred towards me and for me like we're just on completely separate pages where like after me and this person broke up I was like wow I really learned a lot and I really gained something from this relationship and and because of all the things that I had gained from past relationships I knew that this was not a good match and this other person their fixation on the breakup was like I hate you <laughs> I think that people are just in completely different places and you learn different things from your own timeline and sometimes it lines up with like how you can approach a quote-unquote failure and how you maybe uh, approach them completely differently such futile hatred Right, but you probably at some point in your life oh completely did that to someone else, yeah, absolutely, yeah. and I and but like that almost illustrates my point even further, which is that I had learned that lesson maybe three years prior. So you were just in a wiser place, yeah, yeah, be, just because I'd gone through so many more failures than this other person had. Right, yeah, no, I get that. Whereas I didn't even view it as a failure; I just viewed it as like, oh, I've learned enough from this and all past relationships to know this is not uh working you know i totally made all that stuff up yeah you're perfect perfect. (laughs) (laughs) so um back with the kids the cheerleaders decide to kick britney off the team and we see them in the pizza pit and they decide to approach a new recruit who turns out to be Jane and ask if she'd like to try out for the team because with her new look, she fits the part. And then back at the Morgendorfer household, Daria is trying out her technique to get Quinn grounded so that she can't go to the fashion extravaganza. And if it were up to Jake, she would have succeeded all Daria has to do to get into Jake's head is to make it about, an issue about money. Yeah. Talk about how it's a, the spending event of the season. And then Helen basically disallows him from grounding Quinn and instead flips it around and tells Daria she's going to have to go with Quinn to make sure she doesn't overspend. Backfire. So we're back in the classroom and one of the incidental characters who kind of looks like a character that was like maybe on recess it's that guy who like always wears a headset and has blonde hair Mm -hmm. he's reading the bell jar and it made me wonder if he was doing that for pleasure or if it was part of the the assignment to maybe like read more women's literature and he thought he'd fail at that whoa so many levels Yeah. yeah And so, so again, Kevin's kicked off the team. He's wearing that same t-shirt that he was in that other episode where it just says, hi, kids. Uh, and Brittany also got kicked off the team. And Mr. O'Neill is just... Uh, Jody's just depressed because yeah. the thing she knew she'd fail at, she did. But it's also revealing a lot of dysfunctions about her family dynamic. And so... Mr. O'Neill just, he takes this as a failure because he's like, wow, I've depressed every kid I have in this class. And Jane, when she's talking to Daria and saying that she is thinking about staying conventional, it was honestly hard to decipher whether or not she was like being sarcastic or not with with Daria. 
when no, she was saying, like, was maybe I'm not really an artist. In it. There was truth. She was like, maybe there's a reason this comes so easily to me. Maybe this is who I actually am. And the other part is like a facade. Is there another um, skill that comes so naturally to you that you think that one day that might... Like, have you ever toyed with like, oh, fuck, maybe I should do this instead of writing? Um, I feel like I'd be a really good therapist. Mm. And, or, um, but I also think sometimes about how like I'd be a really good mother. And it's interesting that, and not that I won't be, um, but certainly the path I've chosen career-wise or in certain ways has delayed that as being part of my particular journey and not and there's absolutely no guarantee there there's not for anyone but I do feel like there's part of me that's just very like maternal and could just like get down with having a bunch of babies and I'm like oh definitely not doing that right now Mm, yeah you know but Mm -hmm. that would be a very different life completely yeah one thing that I was confused about which I don't know if it was an oversight or what but we see Kevin without his football uniform, but we don't see how Brittany would dress without her cheerleading uniform. And she's kicked off the team. Which I think means she may have less of a personal identity than Kevin even does. That might be true. Like she might not even know who what that would look like. So she doesn't have another outfit. That's true. And when Brittany and Kevin are at the pizza pit, which we've... Uh, aptly named regardless of if it's a mistake or not but Kevin and Brittany are both so uh, conflicted with the idea that they probably can't date each other but then they realize that they're both unpopular and that they can stay together and Mac and Jody for who knows what reason decide that these poor creatures need their help or I yeah I like I who knows why they think they deserve their help (laughs) but they both basically both decide to try to restore Brittany and Kevin's spaces on their teams. And so Mac talks to the football team and they agree to give Kevin one more shot. And then Jody goes to the cheerleading tryout to try to convince the cheerleaders, which is the tryout that Jane is at. I mean, it's possible that Brittany and Kevin would be even more insufferable if they didn't have the purpose that they we're fulfilling. Yeah, I can see that. But Jane, she's at her big audition tryout. <laughs> Sorry. But for her, it actually is kind of an audition because it's her trying to decide which which facet of my personality is performance and which is authentic. And she has this nightmare. It's more of a daymare. It's a vision where she's picturing what would happen if she made the team and she doesn't like it. Yeah, it's basically a vision of her future as basic plain Jane. But to and so then she basically she throws the audition. Well, you, I got it. You get it. She throws the tryout and she just says like cheer, cheer, yell, 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 which felt very Eliza Dushku, Missy, on Bring It On. But also, it felt to me like it means that she is probably fucking phenomenal at cheering because it because she was withholding so much yeah because she it was it was because of that vision and not wanting to manifest that into truth that she purposefully made herself bad well she definitely has endurance we know that because of the the running she runs so often 
So we know that she is athletic. Yeah, I mean... She maybe would have crushed it. And she's intelligent. She she knows a good turn of phrase. She has a good uh, voice. Yeah. But, yeah, she decides that's not the future she wants. And so Mr. O'Neill is really losing it. He, He believes that he led his students into failure and he's crying. And I, and I believe that he believes he's possibly too sensitive to have led that exercise. And so Jane and Jaria, they visit him at his home and his apartment kind of looks like that of a retired gay costume designer. All I remember is the painting of a clown on the wall. There were a lot of masks there was a lot of tea. There were a lot of like multicultural blankets and garb. Mm-hmm. It was a, it was a lot of like performative culturalism. That checks out for him. Yeah, and so Daria and Jane tell him that he shouldn't be so hard on himself. That he actually set himself a task and that he failed. So therefore, in a way, the students kind of taught the teacher. And that he was kind of in on this exercise the whole time. And so he feels finally as like this this is a huge weight off of his shoulders. And so to repay Daria, Mr. O'Neill monitors Quinn's spending habits, which was supposed to be Daria's task. Goes with her to the extravaganza, which also seems creepy and weird and maybe illegal. But all right, we'll roll with it. And Quinn tried to pass him off as her professional fashion consultant. And the whole thing is like much to Sandy's delight. Oh, she's loving Quinn it. Squirm, yeah. But all in all, good up. I I thought it was a really great theme of 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 seeing like who these characters. I mean, Daria's wasn't like as deep as everyone else's, which isn't super surprising. Um, but it was cool to kind of see the different facets of like who these people could be without this. Uh, part of their identity that they're kind of couched in. I I really wanted Jody to succeed though. That's the one that really made me upset because it was like, that's the, that that was the only person who really wanted that. But from her parents' perspective, her failing at this means she'll succeed in the long run from all of the volunteering and internships. That's true. That's true. That's true. Do you have anything else to say about failure in general? No, I uh, try to keep it away from me. Just kidding. Yeah, I'm I'm allergic. Thank you for listening to this episode of Sicker Sadder World. It's been a delight to have you here. You can find us on Twitter at Sicker Sadder. You can find us individually as people at Brit27ash at La Wa or Laura Zach on Instagram. Um, You can find us on Patreon and we have some exciting news coming soon. Soon, but we can't tell you because if we enough. tell you, we would fail. Yes. And like I said before, we're allergic. 